that's rude. Not even going to say anything. Just turn and walk away. Like, I feel like it would have been at least been like a no thank you. <laughs> right? And turn away. But or just no. like a scream or something. I mean, that would have been very ghost-like. To just like scream and then we wander our way over. You know, because this is wandering ways. What's Bigfoot possibility? Blink. Blink. Hippity doo da, hippity doo day. <laughs> you it's went a Halloween episode. You went straight for it, man. I I like the commitment. I mean, I thought we were gonna do a Halloween episode. Thought so. I thought I'd do a Halloween entrance. I appreciate uh, it. I wanted to wear a costume, but I don't have anything. I thought about wearing my uh, biking jersey uh, just for the sake of it, but that's not really a costume as because that's just something I wear when I bike. Yeah. So. Tomato, tomato, you know, yeah, costume. I wasn't prepped enough for a costume. Um, I'm normally not a costume guy. Um, you know, my typical costume is Steve the pirate when he's not a pirate. Which, if you've seen Dodgeball the movie, you completely understand the reference. I mean, I have, but it's been a minute since I've seen that movie. So I'm going to have to rewatch that and get into it. Um, but no, it's we got some exciting stuff. Because I, I I went shopping. I bought some books, guys. And, and I like books. And I like reading. And I like reading about traveling, Montana, histories, Yellowstone, Glacier, National Park stuff, you know, all the coolest places, especially when you go somewhere and then you can hear the history or the story of that place, you know, um, going to like Mauna Kea and then hearing about the protests and seeing the, the stuff like that firsthand, you know, so it's, it's cool to hear some of these stories and Halloween edition. I got Montana ghost stories. And for you guys who like going to Yellowstone, who like taking the Paradise Valley and maybe jumping in the hot springs or two, uh, there's a good little hotel called Chico Hot Springs. And we're going to fantastic hotel, you know, and one of my favorite parts and is, is when I proposed to Thea, I, we went down to Chico, we stayed a night in Chico um, and Mark and Kaz ended up sharing a room. And I'm just going to let Mark go ahead and continue that story. <laughs> yeah. So we shared a room and, you know, everyone has the traditional like hotel setup. I, I think every hotel is like the basic setup, right? When there's two beds, it's like a bed, a little space where they put that table and then the bed and then however else they really do it. But it's typically that's it's the bed bed situation right not in this hotel or at least this room of the hotel this one had a bed on one side of the room and then at the feet there's a little bit of a gap then the other bed so the feet of the bed were touching so if either one of us just sat straight up or if we both happened to sit straight up at the same time we would lock eyes right with each other at that moment 
it was a funny it was a funny situation but i you know it's a cool little hotel uh there's cabins there's venues there's beautiful weddings uh that people have out there and uh they uh the hot springs right you go stay warm and hot tub i love doing it in the winter um you know it's one of my winter activities when we talked about but we're going to get like what i like about this hotel is it feels like you're at grandma's house when you're staying in these rooms too because the furniture do not match it's, it's rinkety dink old uh the hallways are crooked you know it's old school because that's when it was built and that's what like they pride themselves on there is wi-fi there's no tvs in the rooms it's it's old school yeah it it is very old school which is kind of a nice feel um you know it's also like the communal um bathrooms too you know they you don't have the private ones in the rooms so it's it's kind of like a dorm almost in a sense yeah um you know so i mean you have sinks in your room um yeah but outside that you don't you don't really have uh, anything else it's a cool hotel i mean i've only been there the one time um so i don't have a whole lot to say i enjoyed my stay i love hot springs <laughs> uh, yeah. hard to mess it up huh yeah right <laughs> so uh I encourage you guys all to check it out if you are in the Yellowstone area, uh, the Chico Hot Springs Hotel. Um, I mean, it's hard to beat a hotel with the hot springs. So yeah, right. And and I think you pay by the room. So like there are other rooms that do some. I think there are some with bathrooms. Uh, like the cabins have their own bathrooms and stuff. But you, I mean, it's cheaper if you're just getting the bed with no sink and you're going to go use the communal area. Um, which I mean, they're nice. Like it, they yeah. keep it, the bathrooms are up kept well and modern. And I mean, and, that's my style, kind of style of uh, traveling. It's just you know, all I care about is having a bed. Give me a bed and uh, let the rest happen. If it's for a cheap price, even more. Plus, over here, throwing a hot springs, hip hip hooray! <laughs> Honestly, I and mean, I think that was kind of the old school way when these national parks and Teddy Roosevelt. And they're really fighting for, you know, there's opening them and whatnot. That was the style of travel, you know, uh, when they would put up those lodges and ho- dude ranch lodges, you know, and you see them out here in the West still kind of just different, you know, you have the really bougie ones and you have the normal ones and just the various stages of it and how kind of the West works, especially your Wyoming, Colorado, Montana, North Dakota in that sense. Oh, hundred percent. There's, there's a hotel um, here in Ashland that is kind of a similar style. Um, when I got offered the job down here and I came down to look for um, places to live like permanently, I stayed in that hotel and it was, it had very Chico vibes. You know, it's like the bedroom, just, just the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have the communal kind of bathroom. It was kind of, it's kind of almost like the hostel feel um to it yeah no and that's a i mean that's it's a fun way of traveling i think it's a cheap way of traveling you're still and you're getting that warm shower and a nice bed which which helps out sometimes on trips which i recommend going to chico because i go there a lot but we're going to talk the ghosts of chico which might actually entice some of you to go i hit the desk there uh to go there and um or not so 
it, that's very true. After hearing this story, uh, you well, should not. That same trip where we went to Chico, Thea slept walk that night. She got up in the middle of the night, left for like 10 minutes, and like came back. And I asked her in the night, like, where'd you go? And she goes, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, so crazy. So she, maybe she's one of the ghosts. Maybe. Also, I want to make sure everyone listening or watching today understands a very key point. So Zach is going to be reading uh, the story. And uh, just so everyone understands, when you, I go out to places with Zach and we may be getting some food, he will literally tell the waiter he can't read. So I'm actually not convinced he really can read. And so we're going to find out today firsthand if Zach can actually read like words on a page without oh. pictures. Well, and I also, <laughs> it will be a struggle. Um, no, um, we, uh, I was also going to say, and if you don't like this episode, let us know, you know, wanderingwayspodcast.gmail.com. Um, also, Mark, uh, I was going to say, we will pot, like, we're going to commentate through this thing too. So, if, you know, there's a part we want to talk about. We'll stop, jump in, talk about it. Go ahead and shoot us some questions at wanderingwayspodcast at gmail.com. W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G-W-A-Y-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at G-A-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Exactly. Right. Or hit us up on the Instagrams, Wandering Way Podcast. Uh, you know, the Ruguru, Reverend Mark, all those fun places to check out uh, and also ask questions, comments, concerns, anything podcast related. Those are the places to go. Also, make sure to like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. I know it's a little late to be doing the plugs like this, but it's never too late to really do the plugs like this. So please like, subscribe, comment, share all that fun stuff. It helps us out as a podcast, uh, keeps us doing this thing to hopefully share all the wonderful places and cool, uh, stories and today like ghost stories cause it's spooky season. And honestly, Mark, I, I, I think we drop it now because if you guys don't like this stuff, let us know. And that's why we drop it. So I'm going to read from the book. It's called Montana ghost stories. So it's ghost stories here in the state of Montana. Uh, the eerie true tales by Deborah D. Munn. That's Mun with two ends. Oh, the good. chapter. I write that down. The chapter is the lonely lady and other ghosts of Chico Hot Springs. The Chico Hot Springs Lodge and Ranch in Montana's aptly named Paradise Family Valley is famous for its streaming thermal pools and superb gourmet cuisine. But in recent years, it has become almost well known for its physique phenom phenomena. Yeah, I'm going to struggle. I apologize. It is phenomena. Phenomena. It isn't surprising that Chico has such star quality spooks. Not when you consider that the combination restaurant, hotel, and resort is also a favorite haunt of celebrities such as Peter Fonda, Jeff Bridges, and Dennis Quaid. In the old days, Chico often hosted famed cowboy artist Charles Russell, who traded drawings on the back of stationery for drinks and the president, Theodore Roosevelt, who stayed there the night before he visited Yellowstone National Park, 30 miles to the south. Originally named the Chico Warm Springs Hotel, the establishment opened to the public on June 20th, 1900. Owners Bill and Percy Ma Matheson Knowles 
enjoyed the resort as much as any other guests. Although Percy did not have strong qualms about drinking, over her objections, Bill constructed a saloon and dance hall on the property. And the resort became even more successful, promoting itself as a place to cure. I don't know this word. (laughs) (laughs) Rheumatism? R-H-E-U-M-A-T-I-S-M. Stomach and kidney troubles. It must be an old person, old disease from the olden days. Well, a rheumatologist is someone that deals with those kind of... So rheumatism is probably pretty close. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Stomach and kidney troubles and all skin and blood diseases. You know, but like, I'm glad because that's a word I struggle with. I'm sure some of our viewers probably are like, I don't know that word. So... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's a medical uh, terminology there, so not everyone will know medical terminology, but a rheumatologist deals with stomach, kidney, and those kind of diseases, so um, it makes sense that it's rheumatism. Um, I'd have to see the word, but that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because if it's stomach and kidney troubles and promoting like that you can go to Chico and heal yourself in that natural mineral water. Yeah, I was going to say, probably they're promoting the water where you go and sit in the water and it's like the fountain of youth kind of deal where it probably just helps you feel young and bright and it's healing. Well, I didn't know Teddy Roosevelt stayed there, so that's kind of neat. And Jeff Bridges, Dennis Quaid, and that's all the people I really knew off the list. Peter Fonda, that was the other one. And Charles Russell, he's a famous artist here in Montana. Yeah, I don't know those two. Um, It's all right. Perhaps Bill Knowles should have spent more time in the hot pools and less in the saloon. Because on April 22nd, 1910, he died of cirrhosis of the liver. He was buried a few days later at nearby Chico Cemetery, leaving Percy and the couple's 12-year-old son, Radiborn, to run the business. (laughs) That's an interesting Radiborn. That's gonna be that's gonna be your kid's name, huh? Yeah, put it right down. Radiborn. <laughs> Percy's dream was to turn the retreat into a real healthcare center. When her first action was to close the saloon, she detested. In 1912, she persuaded Dr. George A. Townsend to make the hotel his headquarters. And he was so successful in treating the patients of Chico's fame. Chico's fame spread quickly around surrounding states. Over the next five years, the pools were enlarged. A hospital wing was added. Dr. Townsend stayed at Chico Hot Springs for 13 years, but finally the hard work became too much for him. He retired in 1925, and even though other doctors came to take his place, the resort would never again enjoy a fine reputation as a hospital. Radiborn Knowles moved away to get married, and Chico attracted fewer patients every year. As Percy's beloved resort began to decline, so did she. Her mind as well as her body gave way to the pressures of running a failing business, and for a long time she was confined to her room in the hotel. In 1936, she was admitted to the state's hospital in Warm Springs, where she died four and a half years later. After Radiborn's death in 1943, Chico Hot Springs went through a series of owners who couldn't decide whether to make it a health resort, a vacation getaway, or a combination of both. In 1973, Mike I, uh, and... Pete... I want to point out, I think <laughs> I should start a health resort. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I'm getting all these great ideas because, what, I'm into earthing and grounding. 
which goes really well with hot springs, right? So we get people come for that. We'll do some meditation, the whole yoga. We'll have all these different like classes people take. Like, I think I may have found my next venture, everybody. Well, honestly, your parents piece of land out there. Oh, I know. Yeah, where my parents live, that would so, I have a beautiful garden. That if is Mark, if Mark's mom and dad are listening, hey, hit him yeah. up. He's your son. You know where he lives. <laughs> no, I do think you would do good at it. I think you're just your who you is would perfectly do that. Yeah, I Chico Hot Springs. I'm just gonna throw it way back to Chico Hot Springs style. And start a little health resort, health uh, commune. I don't know. I'll get a hip movement going or something. Have the hostel, have the whole vibe, especially where you're at in Seaside being a tourist town. Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be there. It would help. Yeah, I mean, it would be a good place to do it, but it doesn't have to be there. Maybe I <laughs> no. want to do it. Maybe I want to do it in Idaho. Go for it. <laughs> wherever you like mark find a hot springs that's the key red lodge hey we can be neighbors all right <laughs> i'm gonna get back into this mike <laughs> and eve art bought the property and three years later they moved from cleveland ohio to live in it live on it since they made many improvements so that once again bill and percy's resort is thriving and so is the ghostly active at the old lodge could the arts refurbishment of Chico's have caused the burst of psychic phenomena reported by guests and employees alike? This might be possible, except for that former owner, John Sturhan, recalls that during his tenure from 1967 to 1972, the staff also reported strange events. The most common belief among those who have had eerie encounters at Chico is that the Nolas's especially Percy, have never left. Ooh, I got the chills. <laughs> Early Murray, Earl Murray wrote about the otherly world occupants of the resort in his Ghosts of the Old West Chicago Contemporary Books 1988. In the Hot Springs Phantom, he describes the weird experience of two security officers, Tim Tim Barnes and Ron Worley around 2.20 a.m. one Sunday, May 1986. The two guards had waited for all the customers and employees of the Chico Saloon to leave. Then they locked the doors and returned to the hotel via the board walkway. At this time, Tim had been working for the resort for eight years, and he never believed his co-workers' spooky stories. Just as he opened the door leading to, into the lobby, he saw something and suddenly froze. Look, Tim said, and pointed across the room in the direction of an old piano. The two security officers stared in amazement at the sight before them. A white, filmy figure hovered just above the floor near the piano, and the smoky feature of a face stared back at them. Only the head and upper body were distinct. The rest of the apparition was a formless mass trailing away to nothing. It was an eerie feeling, the kind that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, Tim said. When I interviewed him on October 1991, I wasn't afraid of it, but I realized that we were definitely looking at something supernatural. We kept staring at a, the ghost, and I finally got the idea to take a picture of it with a Polaroid camera in the office. To get to the office required courage because it meant walking close to the figure. Tim steeled himself and hurried around the phantom 
and threw the door. He found the camera, but he it because it didn't belong to him and because he was nervous, he couldn't figure out how to attach the flash bar. I decided to take the picture without the flash and the results weren't very good, he said. There's only there's one tiny white unidentifiable spot in the middle of the photograph. Whatever we saw was definitely in the basic form of a person, but we couldn't tell what sex it was. It must have hovered by the piano for a good two minutes, but after I took the picture, the hazy form just disappeared like smoke. Tim is now the general manager of Chico Hot Springs, and he joined the ranks of those who are certain that the old hotel is haunted. His mother, Eddie Mundell, is another person who knows from firsthand experience that the Phantom is real. She worked a night as an auditor there for three years and had just quit her job when I talked to her. Also, in October 1991, Eddie's encounter was very similar to that of her son. I've been interested in metaphysical subjects for a long time so that I thought I'd be well prepared if I ever saw the ghost, she explained. On the morning when I finally did, everything had been very quiet. I need to get a printout on the credit card machine and I walked into the dining room to pick it up. At the same time, the security guard who had just finished his rounds was coming through the front door along with some people working the breakfast shift. I heard from them all talking together. The dining room was dark because I hadn't turned the lights on, Eddie continued, and for some reason, I suddenly had an impulse to look behind me. Through the back of the dining room and into the small lounge, and there, standing at the door to the lounge, was an apparition. It was cloudy and all white, just like ghosts are often portrayed in the movies. It was smoky and hazy, but it sure was shaped like a person. I, th I think it was a woman, but I'm not sure. Looking at it, it gave me the weirdest feeling. And even though I thought I would be well prepared for such an encounter, I wasn't. I think I startled the, the ghost nearly as much as it startled me. I couldn't sense fear coming from both of us. I don't think the spirit noticed me until I began walking quickly from it. I got out of there before it had time to disappear. Around the time of my interview with Eddie Mundell, bartender Terry Angel encountered the same apparition in another part of the darkened dining room about three o'clock one morning. Even now, I can't tell you whether or not I believe in ghosts, she told me, but I could definitely feel her presence. And as soon as I walked through the door, and there she was sitting on the chair. You know what that means? Time for another commercial break where we get to tell you to like, subscribe, and review our podcast. Whether you're getting that podcast on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, WhatsApp, whatever podcast app you use, you can make it happen. And don't forget, this is also the time to let, uh, let you guys know that you can pick up that Wandering Ways swag at the Teespring. Make sure to check it out. The link is in the bio down below or in the episode description. It's even in the show description, too, if you can't find it in the episode. But you can go on there. You can get your sweatshirts. You can get your uh, shirts. You can get long sleeves, short sleeves. You can even get some socks. Uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, highly recommend. You will be impressing everybody at your next bonfire with some wandering ways swag you know and if that's not enough we're going to tell you to follow us individually on our social medias you could check me out at the ruguru or zach of wandering ways you know check out the adventure firsthand where there might not be any ads exactly and who doesn't like some good free pub i need the followers followers to go up so i'm going to throw out Reverend Marcus, check me out on the Twitter, on the Instagram. 
Um, I do some cool stuff. So please give me the follow. All right. We also do not cool stuff. Yeah. But anyways, uh, let's keep wandering on. I'll start. I'll start. Uh... I want to. One thing I, I took away from the story listening is how the one lady, I think it was the gal, was talking like how the ghost or spirit didn't know she was there. Like, are these spirits just living their lives and then they see people and they're like, oh, people. Maybe. <laughs> like whole bodied, <laughs> you know, like they're just as scared. <laughs> they're like, what the hell? This person's like not see-through at all. <laughs> like they're just living their life. Yeah. I mean, it seems, that seems odd. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm a big believer in ghosts to begin with, but, you know, that's... uh that's just kind of my take on it as, uh, again, another great example. Um, but anyways, I got a great joke, ghost joke. How did the ghost teacher describe to the class how to go through a wall? Well, she went through it again and again and again. Yeah, so good. And another one here, another great, uh, great joke for everyone is uh, why don't why don't uh, skeletons go trick or treating? Because they got no body to go with. Thank you, thank you. As we deal with our technical difficulties this episode, I will just fill that time with dad jokes. So you know, you. I I appreciate it, and I I apologize. I don't every time about this time of night, our internet goes out around here, and I don't know if that's to blame Charter or Spectrum or whoever they are now, but that company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I apologize, and I apologize that we're we're cut off, but I think. We were at right for some reason. Do, 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 where did I leave off? Do we hear? I've been an interest in metaphysical subjects for a long time, so I thought that I'd be well prepared if I ever saw the ghost. She explained. On the morning when I finally did, everything had been quiet. I needed to get a printout of a credit card machine, and I walked into the dining room to pick it up. At the same time, the security guard who had just finished his rounds was coming through the front door along with some people working the breakfast shift. I heard them all talking together. The dining room was dark because I hadn't turned the lights on. Eddie continued. And for some reason, I suddenly had an impulse to look behind me through the back of the dining room and into the small lounge. And there standing at the door to the lounge was an apparition. It was cloudy and all white, just like ghosts often are portrayed in the movies. It was smoky and hazy, but it was shaped like a person. I think it was a woman, but I'm not sure. Looking at it, it gave me the weirdest feeling. And even though I thought I'd be well prepared for such an encounter, I thought I wasn't. I think I startled the ghost nearly as much as it startled me. I could sense for fear coming from both of us. I don't think that the spirit noticed me. And until I began walking quickly away from it, I got out of there before it had time to disappear. Yeah. See what I mean, though? Like, this is a <laughs> yeah. ghost just, like, chilling, like, going about its day. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I need to go down and get some milk. And it's, like, going and seeing, like, People and goes, oh my gosh, there's people. 
Well, I, 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 and I question it. I question if what, like whatever's creating that, if you believe in ghosts and, and my, my kind of belief, and I, and this isn't my, my, my belief, but this is my belief that what is happening in these situations is that the ghost, if people believe it's a ghost and with whatever power it has is coming back to earth or coming back to its old life, even though the modern life is here, I don't know what is causing that. So like that, yeah, to where it's like, I'm just, I want to come back to Chico. I loved it there so fucking much that I'm, I'm coming home. Oh, you know what I mean? And then they're like, you said, they're like, I'm doing my thing. I mean, I get what you're saying at that, like that, but I, I don't know. I'm not a huge, huge ghost believer to begin with. So, or it's unfinished business. I mean, that's what they say, right? Is they're like haunting a place. Um, So it's like, why are they haunting the place? Um, Because they, because, because they stole it from the Indians. That's why. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that it would be, you know. They were they were bad people. That's why they have to haunt it. It's their punishment. I don't know. I know, but you wouldn't think it'd be like the white guys or the white girls like haunting the place. Like, I don't know. Are they going around saying like, we stole it from the savages? <laughs> you know? No, maybe that's like the curse that you're cursed to live a life of like. Oh, like, that's a good point. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I thought you, of it like that way. Like, if you believe in God in heaven, like, you didn't go to heaven. Like, that's hell on earth. You're reliving your life. Stuck in purgatory. You're stuck in life. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I, you know, I, I do believe in ghosts just because the building we have here in downtown Billings is the old Masonic temple. And, oh, so many times, so many different encounters where you're just like, fuck this i don't want to be here something's watching me something's here i heard a sneeze someone's in this building it got real cold real quick this dog is barking at this corner for no reason and won't go back to it oh uh <laughs> i mean i don't know how to explain it but i'm not gonna judge you if you believe in ghosts because that's not my place in fact you know People would judge me for believing in Bigfoot. It would be very hypocritical of me to judge. I just don't believe in ghosts. That's fair. And I respect that. I I can't necessarily say that they are ghosts either just because I've never seen them. But it's a feeling. It's a a fucking spooky feeling. Well, around the time of my interview with Eddie Mundell, bartender Terry Angel encountered the same apparition at another part of the darkened dining room about three o'clock one morning. Even now, I can't tell you whether or not I believe in ghosts, she told me, but I could definitely feel her presence as soon as I walked through the door and there she was sitting in a chair on the left-handed side of the room. Because it was dark, I can't describe what she looked like except to say that the image seemed more hazy than solid. I ran out of that dining room as fast as I could. Even talking about it now gives me goosebumps. Fellow employee, Lindy Moore, was equally terrified by her encounter with the filmy phantom in the winter of 1989. I had gone up to the second floor to put a blanket in a room 
And all of a sudden, I became aware that someone else was there. She said, I turned around and saw the apparition very clearly. I'm sure it was Percy. She was wearing a dress. She was appearing to be floating. The figure could, was cloudy and misty, but I could definitely see her features. She had a fairly blank expression on her face, and I'm sure she could see me. I never actually seen a ghost before, and it scared the heck out of me. Lindy admitted, I stood there for probably 20 seconds, and part of me really wanted to stay Wanted to stay to find out what would happen next, but then the form started to move toward me. I changed my mind in a hurry and got out of there. Thinking back over the experience now, I believe that something very interesting would have happened if I had stayed in that room. I was just too scared, and I never seen her since. Ooh, I'm getting the chills. <laughs> um, former security guard Larry Bone has probably gotten a closer look at Chidi's at Chico's lady's spook than any then has anyone else larry hassens to explain that he is by nature a highly logical and analytical person having worked as an air traffic controller for the u.s air force and as a soils and concrete lab inspector for the u.s army corps of engineers his other work as an ambulance technician and a volunteer firefighter also required equal measures of cool observation and common sense Larry has been employed at Chico Hot Springs for about 15 months when he had one of the eeriest encounters ever reported there. It was the third week of January 1990, and I was used to being alone in the old hotel, he said. During the winter months, it usually has one of a, usually has only a few guests and at, at any one time. And on this night, they were in the rooms on the, just the main floor off the lobby. Besides them and me, the only other person in the hotel was the night auditor in the main office. Even though no one stayed on the second and third floors, it was still my job to make routine fire checks in these areas, Larry said. On one of my rounds about 2.30 a.m. when I was walking along the second floor hallway and as I passed the stairwell leading to the third floor, I could sense someone was at the head of the stairs. I stepped back a few paces to the bottom of the stairwell and looked up to see a matronly lady standing on top landing looking down at me that seemed unusual because i was sure there was no one registered guest above the first floor larry explained the lady appeared to be about four foot four five foot five feet four to five feet six inches tall and approximately 45 to 50 years old her face though clearly defined seemed pale without expression it was obviously that she was looking at me, but she didn't acknowledge my presence in any way. She wore a full-length pale blue dress and a high collar, long sleeves, and the material was printed with what looked like tiny white flowers. Her graying hair was in a tight bun, and her hands were clasped in front of her. Thinking that she was a guest who had gotten lost, I asked if I could help her. When I spoke, she silently turned away from me and moved into the darkness of the third floor hallway behind her. That's rude. Not even going to say anything, just turn and walk away. Like, I feel like it would have been at least been like a no thank you. <laughs> right. And turn away. But or just no. like a scream or something. I mean, that would have been very ghost-like to just like scream and then turn away. Um, but like not even acknowledging the guy. Well, and he goes, I say she moved because she didn't seem to be walking. She just drifted away without any movement of her upper torso 
I couldn't even detect any leg movement under her long dress. I went up to the main hallway to the third floor, but I could see nothing, Larry said, except everything was dark, except for some soft light coming from the courtyard below that filtered into the window at the end of the hall. The lady I had seen so clearly just seconds before had vanished. All the rooms that on that floor are kept locked, so I guess that the only place she could have gone would have been into the one of the bathrooms, which are not locked. As I walked down the hall, I detected a sweet fragrance in the vicinity of the rooms 346 through 350. I checked the bathrooms, but they were empty and dark. I retraced my steps down the hallway and again smelled the sweet scent in the same area as before. It reminded me of jasmine or lilac. It was the strongest near room 349. I used my security pass key to unlock the door. The room was silent and dark. I show my flashlight inside and then I noticed that the rocking chair in the corner by the window was gently moving back and forth. I quickly flipped the light switch on and saw the chair stop rocking instantly as if someone invisible had been sitting in it and made it stop. I, I checked the window and noted that it was tightly shut. But even if it had been open, the, the night was extremely calm without any wind to make the chair rock. And if the movement had been caused by the wind, the chair would have not stopped rocking so suddenly. I also realized that the sweet fragrance that had been so strong before had now completely faded away. What the do you entire, think the sweet fragrance was? Do you think it said, was like... He said he jasmine. says it's sweet. Jasmine or lilac. Oh, I didn't hear that part. I thought he yeah. just said it was sweet. I was going to be like... We're talking like home-baked apple pie, cookies. <laughs> like, what are we talking sweet-wise here? <laughs> yeah, so just like, a, I guess, yeah, like a soft. I, it makes sense. Yeah. Speaking um. <laughs> of things involving wind, that brings me to this week's cool shit in nature. Don't think just because we were going to tell a story the whole time we weren't going to have some cool shit in nature. And this week... I tried to find something spooky because it's spooky season. And I thought I found one. It's a cool one. I'm excited. It involves wind, which is why I mentioned that. But it's super cool. It's a, up in the Canadian forest. And what it is, is this wind comes in, oh. basically gets underneath the topsoil. And so it will appear as if. The earth is breathing itself. Yes, I've seen this before. It's crazy. Yeah. It looks like, like sometimes you can, when you're putting sod or, or grass down and water or air sometimes gets trapped under, it does that. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just That's the way nuts. the wind's getting into, like the topsoil gets lifted up. And, you know, if I came across this, I would be kind of spooked. Well, you think earthquake, maybe. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would think earthquake. Um, but the trees moving or avalanche yeah. or just something crazy happening. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely would be freaked out, but I don't know exactly what I would think if I came across this. I mean, definitely not like everything is okay, but. Yeah. I would just be like, whoa. whoa. Yeah. <laughs> My first comment would be like, does anybody else see this? I would just like sit down too, because like I'd be like, let's ride it out. It, you know, yeah. Right. What if it doesn't for it stop for a while? <laughs> yeah, protect your head. <laughs> yeah. Back into this. No, that was some cool shit in nature. 
I thought, and I thought it was good spooky season one too. So it was, and we're getting into cool shit in Chico with these ghost stories. Yeah, I think we haven't spooky. sold you guys on going to Chico yet. The story <laughs> is gonna sell you. Well, I'm curious because this is the first time for a story I'm reading in this book. I mean, I've read similar books like this before, and I'm sure I've read this or had teachers get to us here in Montana or something around Halloween or whatever. But <laughs> I am, I am curious if it gets better as it goes deep because there's a couple more pages here to Chico. Um, so I don't know. This one was pretty scary because he said. <laughs> The entire episode lasts about five or six minutes, Larry said, and after I was eager to return to the reality of the main office and the reassuring company of Eddie Mundell, the night auditor, I was so unnerved that it took me several cups of coffee to muster up the nerve to tell her what happened. And when I did, she smiled and said, welcome to the Percy Club. Eddie also told me that that room 349 was the one in which Percy Knowles had lived during her stays at Chico. Larry explained that she had become quite senile and spent nearly all her hours walking, all her hours in a rocking chair staring out the window at Emigrant Pink behind the hotel. Security guard Charlie Wells had an experience similar to Larry's, but he worked part-time at, at Chico in 1989 and 1990. But while Larry initially believed that the woman he saw was flesh and blood, Charlie was made immediately aware that the lady ascending the, from the stairs from the second to third floor was not of this world i came up out of the lobby on one of my rounds and all i could see at first was a kind of mist charlie explained i could see features but it seemed as if i were seeing her through a smoke-filled room i saw her arms but no hands no legs and i could just make out a face she appeared to be floating rather than walking upstairs and when she was wearing a long flowy white dress in fact it looked like a lot like the one that Percy Knowles is wearing in a picture hanging in the lobby. Charlie often had the dis, the disquieting experience of finding the door to room 349 unlocked and opened. This was during the winter time when business was slow, he said. I knew that the room hadn't been rented out, so I lock it up, but the door would be open again when I made my next round. I was the only one there before the auditor arrived, and I was the only one with keys. The other keys were all locked away. Another time I was locking the outside door to the saloon when I noticed a light on the on in the lounge. He continued, a man and woman were sitting at a table near the window in the dining room off to the right. I couldn't make out many details, but I did see that the woman was wearing a long white dress. I knew that the cooks, the waitresses and the dishwashers all had left after dinner. And and I thought that maybe the, that the owner's daughter, Andy Art, had come back with her boyfriend to have a drink. I went on into the lobby, and I could tell that that night auditor hadn't arrived yet, Charlie said. Then I walked over to the dining room doors, opened them, and saw that no one was there. But two chairs were pulled out, and there was two glasses on the table. The next night, I questioned the cocktail waitress, and she insisted that she had cleaned everything up and left the room in order. I will always wonder whether the two figures I saw were Bill and Percy Knowles. Charlie also found an unexpected disarray in the kitchen one night after the staff had gone home. On his first round, everything was in order, but the next time he had checked the area, he found knives, dishes, and, and a variety of other utensils scattered around across the cook's table. More than a few employees of the Chico Hot Springs have reported hearing clattering and clashing of pots and pans from the kitchen when they knew no one was there. About three weeks after he followed 
the ghost of Percy into room 349, Larry Bone was tending the lobby fireplace at 3 a.m. and wishing he had someone to talk with. There were no guests in the hotel, so I was the only person on the premises. He called out, even the night auditor wasn't due for in for another hour and a half. But suddenly, from the kitchen area, I heard the clanging and rattling of dishes and pots and pans, as if someone were busily cooking or cleaning up. I knew I was supposed to be alone, so I went to investigate, Larry said. But just as I approached the kitchen from the dining room, the sound stopped as if someone had suddenly switched them off. And I entered the kitchen, which was still dark. When I turned on the lights, everything appeared to be in its place. Nothing was out of the ordinary in any way. Immediately, I checked the exit to the outside courtyard and the door to housekeeping. Both were just as I found them on the early rounds, tightly secured. The only other way to enter the kitchen was from the dining room door through which I had gone myself. As I left the kitchen, I turned the light off the lights, and at the same time, the telephone began to ring. Rather than go all the way to the back office, I switched on the lights again and answered the phone in, in the kitchen, but insisted, instead of hearing a voice on the other end of the line, I heard only what I could describe as an electrical hum, a totally different from the sound of a dial tone. I hung up the phone and then picked it up to, to listen. This time, I, er, I heard only a normal dial tone. I turned off the lights, and once again, I started walking back to the office, Larry continued. I'd gotten as far as the dining room when loud music started blaring out of the kitchen. This time, I knew that a trickster was at work. So I sneaked back again and showed my flashlight into the room. It was completely empty, but I noticed that the music was coming from the employee's radio through the power switch, which was in the off position. I flipped the switch on and off several times, but I couldn't get the music to stop or the volume to decrease. Larry explained, the noise stopped only when I pulled the plug from the socket. And when I pulled the cord back into test radio, everything worked normally. Maybe what happened was the telephone and the radio could be attributed to some kind of electrical glitch, he admitted, but this episode left me very unsettled. And I've never been able to explain the sound of the clattering dishes when obviously no one was present. During this same winter, Larry's 22-year-old son, Mike, also became a security guard at Chico Hot Springs, and his in initi initiation in the Percy Club was just as canny as his father had been. If Mike said Before something we happened... Before start this, this uh, episode, <laughs> I want to, like, uh, like, this is some old stuff, like, time-wise, and I don't really think the ghosts would be too familiar with a radio. You know, that's uh, that's all I'm saying is they didn't think they had radio um, back in the Percy Knoll days. Yeah, I, you know, I, I am curious. I am curious, like, if it's just, like, electrical frequencies and what causes that, too. But, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I think it was, I think, I think it was just a fluke. Maybe a solar... Uh, Solar he admitted it at that moment. He admitted something that it possibly could be that. I think those are the those are the skeptic, like the more skeptical thinking people were like, you know, I do believe in this ghost, but I, I can't for sure say that this was that ghost. I would like to think that it is, you know, so it is kind of an honest like this is what happened. I can't explain it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's very true. Versus, like, it was 100% Bigfoot. I know that for a fact. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, well, 
Let's get into Mike. If Mike had said something happened to him, it did, Larry insisted. He's not one to let his imagination run wild, and the jobs he's had couldn't be done by a person who panics easily. At 16, for example, he was the youngest state-certified ambulance technician ever in Montana, and he's also served with search and rescue units, earning the ranks of major with the U.S. Air Force Civil Air Patrol. It's also interesting to note that Mike had never heard about my experiences with Percy until after he tangled with himself. Before the young man's first night of duty in the hotel, his senior partner gave him a copy of Earl Murray's Ghosts of the Old West. But even level-headed Mike doubted the wisdom of reading the chapter about the Hot Springs Phantom while he was alone on his first evening watch. But naturally, common sense soon gave way to curiosity, Mike admitted. So I went ahead and read it. And for the rest of that night, all the cracks and creaks and other noises kept my nerves on edge. But I didn't actually encounter Percy Knowles' ghost itself until I'd been working there about three weeks. Just, just long enough so I no longer grew apprehensive every, at every little sound. At about three o'clock on one bitterly cold, bitterly cold January morning, I was stocking the main fire and completing some paperwork after having made several rounds of the complex, he said. Only one room on the main floor of the hotel was occupied. A few more had been rented out to guests in the lower lodge about 300 yards from the main building. That night, the auditor had not yet arrived. I took a break and made my way through the dining room toward the restrooms in the rear, Mike continued. As I approached the small lounge at the end of the dining room, I noticed that the tables and chairs were arranged so that there was a clear straight aisle to the restrooms. This seemed a little odd because the furniture was usually set up in such a way that you had to take a twisted path around it to get to the bathrooms. I also noted that the dining room and lounge area felt very unusually cold as I walked through it and it felt just as chilly when I returned from the restroom. It's highly unusual for the area near the kitchen to be anything but cozy and warm because it usually retains the heat from the day's cooking. It also struck me as odd that several chairs were now blocking the clear path I had just taken to the way on the men's restroom. I actually had to move them before I could get through the area and return to my office. I thought that that night, the auditor must have arrived early and moved the chairs for some reason. When I got back to the office, I expected to see her, but no one was there. Mike said, an uneasy feeling kept up, crept up my spine to settle my nerves. I decided to take a walk around the outside of the main lodge. And as I strolled past the parking space reserved for the night auditor, I saw that it was still empty. The air was so cold that my nose felt numb. So I went back to the hotel lobby. I stalked the fire and returned to my paperwork. Soon after, Eddie, the night auditor, arrived, booted up and the computers and went back to the kitchen to fix herself a cup of coffee. When she returned, she commented on the unusual chill coming from the kitchen and both attributed to the fact that it was so cold outside. Eddie and I were engrossed in our paperwork when we were suddenly interrupted by the sounds of dishes clinking. Mike said, we looked and joked that Percy must be busy at work because the kitchen cook wasn't expected for another hour. The noise continued for so long that the curiosity got the best of me. As I made my way back to the kitchen, it seemed peculiar that even though I was approaching near, nearer to the clinking, it didn't sound any louder to me. When I stopped about 25 feet from the kitchen, the dish rattling stopped completely. I entered the kitchen and was immediately hit with a blast of air so cold that it vaporized my breath, Mike said. 
There was not much light, but as I peered across the room, I could plainly see a woman with her back to me. Time seemed to come to a stop. I felt an eerie sense of calm. The woman gave me no sign as that she noticed me, Mike continued. She remained standing still without changing position, and I noticed that her hair was piled up on top of her head. She was wearing a long dress, and I continued to stare at her. I noticed that her hem was about six inches from the ground, and nothing was visible between it and the floor. I felt dizzy. I was afraid to stay, but more afraid to move, so I stood frozen just inside the kitchen door. Suddenly, for no apparent reason, the woman moved forward with emotion that was unlike walking. She went out a door, and I know I saw it close behind her. She was gone, and the chill that I had been in the room disappeared instantly. The door she exited from is padlocked from the on the outside, and there's no way to unlock it from the inside, Mike explained. I had checked that door several times on my rounds that evening. I knew that I had the only keys to the lock, except for the one that the general manager, Tim Barnes, always kept with him. On that night, Tim and the other set of keys were 200 miles away in Billings, where he was attending a conference. I checked again to see if I could open the door from inside the kitchen, but it wouldn't budge. In addition to seeing Percy's apparition and hearing her bang pots and pans around the chilly kitchen, the employees of Chico Hot Spring also report a variety of other phenomena apparently related to her. Security guard Charlie Wells was in the lobby one night when he heard the mysterious sound of a woman moaning. He looked for the source of the noise at least 45 minutes, but was never able to track it down. Housekeeper, housekeepers hear doors slamming on the third floor when they notice when they know they're supposedly to be alone in that level. They often feel unseen presence in, in rooms there. And no matter where they place the chair in Larry Bone, that Larry Bone saw rocking in room 340, 349, it rep, reputably always returns to a certain spot facing the window. A Bible in the attic, attic is said to remain mysteriously free of dust and is always open to the same page in Psalms, even after employees have purposely left it open elsewhere at different times. A feather and handkerchief have been placed on the pages, and those who checked later to found no trace of the feather and no footprints on the floor from the dusty attic. The handkerchief was found later in the saloon. The art's daughter, Andy, believes in the ghost, but she distrusts the legend about the Bible because so many people now have, ac have access to the keys to the attic, but no one has been able to explain the tray of candles that apparently lighted themselves in the kitchen or a single candle that was found burning again after Charlie Wells knew he had extinguished it. Charlie says that even animals occasionally sense something awry at Chico. Uh, he recalls that the time that a Heinz 57 breed of dog was so afraid to walk down a hallway that he felt shaking with fear and wetting the carpet when his owner demanded that he come to him. The Knolls, the Nolas are supposedly buried just up the road from the hotel, Charlie explained laughing, and the security guard who helped break me in said that there's a big gopher hole in Percy's grave, and that's how she got out. <laughs> a gopher hole. <laughs> right. In addition- The other thing I want to like- Go for it. That I find interesting in not just this story, but in other ghost stories is- so like they hear the clinking in the kitchen and then they start walking towards the kitchen. And when they get close, the clinking stops. Like, are these just heavy walkers? 
that they're making some noise. Like they should try and be a little more sneaky. Maybe they could get a better peek. Right. I get, maybe they're trying to startle what's in there to get it to come out. Like if it's like someone messing around. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I would have done the whole, I would have tried to do some real light feet. You know, I would had like some sort of stick in my hands and then I would have like real kind of, and then just pop in there. Well, I guess at 3 a.m. in January is when you need to go. Yeah, I get I, But no I, one's on the third floor. Yeah, yeah I get And it. the night auditor isn't there. <laughs> it's a very Fine. specific, specific uh, time point. To a lot of times that night auditor isn't there, though. I, that is a good point. So I'm interested. I'm, you know, so maybe it is like a, Percy's coming back to like serve that purpose. Yeah, I don't Who know. Who knows? I don't um, know. Yeah. In addition to giving the employees of the lodge an occasional scare, Percy apparently enjoys playing tricks on them too. Her specialty is making things disappear, especially when they're needed most. In the summer of 1991, we lost a rooming list of, for a group that was coming in, explained Lindsay Moore. We were all working with it out on the front desk and all of a sudden it was gone we turned to turn the place upside down looking for it but never found it the group came and went about a week after they had gone i had walked into the office and the list we had been searching for was lying right there on on the desk on another occasion i was the only person in the room and i sat down a file to answer the phone she continued when i tried to find the file again it was nowhere to be seen but when I was getting ready to drive back home after work that day, guess what? I found it on the seat of my car. The file just looked as if it were supposed to be there. Things are always disappearing and reappearing in strange places. Percy has pulled so many pranks on the hotel staff that Eddie Mundell thinks that her spirit might have regressed to the time where she was 12 years old. When I saw the ghost, I had explained, I had the feeling that she was a young girl. That the night auditor explained that maybe Percy's was at the happiest time of her life. And that's why I perceived her as being young. And she certainly acts like a kid. Eddie explained that Percy is especially attracted to coins. Once I was counting money and I came up a nickel short, he said, I searched for it quite a while and then gave up because it wasn't there. A couple hours later, when I had forgotten all about it, I found the nickel way out on the front counter. I hadn't been anywhere near that area. And I couldn't imagine why anyone would leave a lone nickel there. On another occasion, Eddie dropped a coin on the floor and saw where it landed, but decided to wait until she finished counting to pick it up. When she finally reached out to retrieve it, it was no longer there. Instead, it had traveled to the table where the security guard, Charlie Wells, made out his evening reports. Charlie vouches for Eddie's story and swears that he did not take the coin himself. The most strange of incidents at Chico are believed to be caused by Percy, and most of the apparitions seem to be of her. But several employees have seen what they thought were male ghosts or at least spooks of undetermined gender. Many of these sightings have occurred in the area of the bar called the Annex, where many employees live. Maintenance man Bob Oplett was living in the Annex in the winter of 1989, and his story is one of the most frightening of all. I had gone to bed. I have to be that guy. (laughs) The only thing scarier... And this story is not knowing how it ends, but I have got to be that guy. You know, there's only a few more pages and that's fine. Cause it, it sounds like we're getting more into 
the other not as uh, solid stories of Chico. But I could be wrong. But that yeah. just means, means you guys need you know, to go check this book really, out. It just sounded like a bunch of different people's experiences with Percy Knoll. Which so, is cool. Yeah, I mean, next time anybody is going out to uh, Chico, make sure to ask the staff about Percy Knoll. Maybe you'll learn something else. But I have to be that guy because it is time for this episode to end. Hopefully we didn't scare our listeners away. Uh, we learned Zach could read. Um, and it brings us to our final words. And you know, so, that, that being final words, my guy. You know, guys, I'm super stoked uh, to read these books and tell stories and talk about places like this because Chico is cool. I like Chico Hot Springs. I know Mark likes Chico Hot Springs. It's a, like we said in the opening, it's a cool spot to be. Um, I definitely recommend going. Uh, and if you're a ghost hunter, Go see if you can find Percy. You know, we gave you some clues along the way. Hopefully they help. Exactly. That's it. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, Reverend's final words of wisdom. Happy Halloween, everybody. Stay beautiful. Hope you all enjoyed uh, listening to this story. Uh, maybe it will encourage you to go on a little ghost story, ghost hunting trip. Uh, maybe it will encourage you to buy the book. Um, you know, if you like books that aren't in this, maybe it's a little bit more my taste. Make sure to check out The Unathletic Trainer. I do a whole bunch of stuff with books on that. Um, so it's, it's super interesting to check that out as well. Thank everybody so much for listening. I hope you all have a very happy Halloween. Hopefully you do not run into a ghost. Hopefully you get plenty of candy and there aren't too many tricks and there's more treats. Um, but with that being said, Peace out, everybody. Bye.